0: An an elegant weapon, but a more
1: civilized age.
2: Hey kids, welcome back to An Elegant Weapon. My name is J.M. Clark as we continue our Gotham Central Comics and Collectibles Halloween Indie Fest celebration happening on October 29th. At Gotham Central Comics and Collectibles, it's going to be a great time, kids. You should all come out. There's going to be raffles. There's going to be costume contests. There's going to be giveaways. It's going to be cool. There's going to be an entire artist alley set up. And over this week, if you haven't noticed, we've been celebrating those creators by having them on for a chat. Uh, we started with Joey. She's the girl from Gotham herself. Then last episode, of course, Mr. Martin Slam Duncan. This episode, we're going to have to triple things up a little. I've just got too many conversations to get out to you before the actual event. So this episode is going to feature three 30-minute interviews. Uh, I know it's a little longer than the usual length of this show. It's about an hour and a half. But you can all deal with a little extra pod from an elegant weapon because why not? What is so wrong with that? This episode... We are going to have conversations with the one and only Sam Noir and Shane Heron of Team Cauldron. We are also going to have a chat with Miss Becca Kinsey of the Wormhole Club Tragedy.
0: And we are also going to have, of Sleepwalkers, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Danny Gorney. It's going to be a hell of a
2: show. I hope you all enjoy so much. Again, October 29th. Gotham Central Comics and Collectibles in beautiful Mississauga, Ontario, Amco Boulevard. Be there or be square because it's going to be a party, kids. Uh, We will see you next episode, where we will bring you a whole bunch of other creators. That'll be episode 419. You know what comes right after that, kids? Oh, my God. It's episode 420. We're so very, very close. That one's going to be a party. But for now, please enjoy episode 418. Again, that's Sam Noir and Shane Heron. That's Danny Gorney. And that's Becca Kinsey. Good times indeed, kids. That's all we're going to have on this episode. Please enjoy oh boy kids welcome back to an elegant weapon it's episode 418 we are continuing our independent creator spotlight on those independent creators who will be attending indie fest at gotham central comics and collectibles october 29th saturday i hope you are all there a couple years ago, I went out to a place called Stony Creek, and I went for a pint uh, at the Powerhouse, I believe it was called, because uh, a few of my friends were getting together to discuss an idea, to discuss a little project that they were putting together. Uh, these friends are Ricky Lima, Casey Parsons, Sam Noir, and Shane Heron, and they had a little idea called cauldron so it was very cool to be there to see the birthings of this amazing creation and tonight we're going to have a little chat with shane heron and sam noir two halves of the creator team of cauldron who will be at indie fest at gotham on october 29th sam shane thank you for hanging out fellas
1: technically two two quarters quarters you are
2: correct you are correct
3: yeah well now we're like two-thirds because Ricky like barely is part
1: of it anymore he really does <laughs> Ricky still came. contributes he he, does. he chimes in
2: you know what he was there at the birth and that that fits the story so <laughs> and that was a cool thing because uh you know to see the birthings of something that has now had four volumes and we'll soon be having an omnibus released through Kickstarter and Raid Press, of course. Um, how many years has it been? How long ago was that meeting? I think it's
3: 2018. Years?
2: 2018.
3: Yeah, Is that all? Four, four or five years, something like that,
2: yeah. Oh, man. it's uh, It's been a crazy time. So, like I said, you guys have created a, a four volumes. Has it turned out the way you guys thought it would?
1: I'm actually a little surprised at the, the how how successful it, it really was and how it really took off. Uh, I'm now like I, I never imagined that we'd have an oversized omnibus. And, and uh, actually, there's a there's a big name comics creator who's agreed to do the cover for this omnibus. Uh, uh, we can't reveal it quite yet, but I'm I'm super excited.
2: Ooh, that's an exciting surprise! Is have. it a
1: secret now? I'm pretty sure you said it other
2: places.
3: <laughs> oh, I think I? you said it on at FanX on the same show. I think you announced it. <laughs> did I? Did I? <laughs> Anyways, well, whatever. They'd have to go back and listen. Yeah, and go back. It a
2: couple that. episodes, kids, and go back that to out. being
1: secretive about it. <laughs> I I figure we'll we'll have a big announcement once we have something to show. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, having amazing guests come in and do your covers, um, you've had that for a couple of covers, right? Adam Corum did a cover. Ever.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it was really, really nice of him as well to, to jump in. I mean, I went to uh, Ty Templeton's comic boot camp with uh, Adam. And and uh, Shane, you've known Adam for years as well, right?
3: Yeah, I used to. We worked with Fred Kennedy on his uh, books way back in like 2010 or something like that. We started, he was working on Teuton, and I was working on his other book, uh, Mike Gorbsmith.
2: That was an exciting time back then when, you know, all these guys were just kind of starting out or getting into their grooves are now so accomplished and have done so much like you guys yourselves, you know, four volumes of Cauldron, uh, Ballyskillin you've put out, Sam, uh, Mm -hmm. Shane, of course, Morris, and, uh, you know, all the work you guys have been doing with Raid. Has it been a whirlwind? Has it been exciting? Has it flown by?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, hard to believe. I, we're also talking pandemic time as well, right? Like, I mean, I joined Raid uh, just prior to, like, maybe four weeks prior to the pandemic, and uh, in that time, I mean, it was really exciting the fact that uh, Raid was doing a major pivot into publishing. So it was kind of uh, the right people at the right time with the right skill sets to help launch that imprint, and it's been exciting to to help. Max Gordine and uh, Sheldon Sheldon uh, Carter, <coughs> excuse me, uh, launched their books. Ramon's book, and now finally uh, Shane and I get our turn at bat. So, uh, yeah, it's really nice to having having, having uh, helped on other people's campaigns to have the opportunity to work on our own raid press book
2: absolutely and you know like you said the pandemic man that just wiped out two years of our fucking lives like just gone and the best thing about it too was i think shane did you even notice there was a pandemic
3: (laughs) did you know that there was was less people around (laughs) i i was saying like because um like i talked to my girlfriend and she like stays home many days of the week and like without going outside at all and i was like I don't even think even in the the, the strongest uh, lockdowns, I didn't go outside every single day and like go somewhere. If so I wasn't going to work, I was going to the studio. Uh, I didn't give a shit. I was like, I gotta go outside, man. I, I just I was just it was kind of nice. There's less traffic. It was kind of fun.
2: Yeah, I thought it was great. It was, uh, and it was a weird time for Raid to have just like done that pivot, like you're talking about, Sam, where you know, new studio, new space, you know, new attitude, new press, and then the hammer of covid comes down um do you think that maybe like I don't think it hint it obviously it didn't hinder raids plans but do you think it maybe like stretched him out and maybe gave like a little bit of breathing space for Ramon to get all that stuff together that he had to do
3: for sure it did yeah because I mean I think the raid press stuff was, it, it was supposed to happen a lot sooner um, the, even just like for the, the, you know, a good chunk of that, uh, lockdown and the COVID years, like it was just like three guys in the studio. I'd come in every once in a while, but it was like Ramon, Andrew Dorlin and, and Sam being there. So it's like, uh, there was, there was definitely points where we thought like, Oh, no, one's going to come back to the studio. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. But, um, now that we're kind of back to normal, the studio is nice and full again. It's really cool. But I think it definitely delayed quite a few things that we wanted to do. Like even Two, the latest book, like that raid did um the anthology it was it was supposed to come out like a good year year and a half before it did
2: oh i didn't realize that
3: yeah it was just like we just kept getting pushed back you know everyone gets busy with other stuff uh people aren't in the studio so it's harder to kind of keep tabs on everyone so it everything kind of just did take a lot a lot longer i think but it, it it's working out i mean i think there's no reason to rush good stuff
2: oh absolutely you know? not
1: the other thing being, uh, I think the the as a pivot point, the pandemic also we had, uh, as as you recall, uh, the whole pencils down were uh, three months the comics industry shut down, and I think that was a real wake up call for a lot of creators in terms of uh, you know doing their own thing and owning their own work, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great uh, motivation to launch a cooperative publishing imprint like raid press i mean uh, up to that point they've been doing the anthologies but in in order to uh uh publish individual creator works or uh, collaborative works uh you really really had to have the time space and energy to lean into it as as well the right people right so the uh confluence of of events happened, which allowed uh, Rob Kugler, for example, our chief of operations, to finally be able to vote full time to raid, right. uh, and and he's a, a pivotal, important part of the the piece with all the fulfillment and the coordination and even editorially. So a lot of things really fell into place. And then when we needed sort of certain skill sets, just being able to sort of go out there and to to hire the right person, so. Currently, we have uh, an amazing social media guru named Leslie, who's been uh, working at the studio full time. And she comes from a publishing background, a recent graduate of uh, uh, the, the university formerly known as Ryerson's Publishing Program. And she's been a, a fantastic addition to the to the studio. How long has she been with you guys? I oh, was it been been a year. Has it been a year? feels like a year at least. Yeah, again, I was going to say uh 6 months, but now that I think about it, she joined prior to the new year, right? So yeah, we're probably coming up on a year.
3: Oh, that Leslie's great, man. So organized, so professional.
1: Absolutely. And she brings yeah. a skill set that, you know, uh, the creatives in the studio don't necessarily have. So again, it's it's finding the right people for the right jobs and uh and yeah, this is how you start a publishing company, right? One one bit at a time and the fact that uh, we crowdfund everything. So now, instead of starting off each raid anthology in the whole, uh, in terms of financially, uh, by crowdfunding, every book that we publish through through Kickstarter initially uh, uh, is profitable right from the start and has brought the rest of the raid books into profit. So, yeah, now we got to figure out uh, as as we gear up and do eight or nine books we did four or five last year and now we're going to do nine or ten next year so it's uh figuring more things out in terms of the distribution etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: well as you go and go through your trial and error it's just going to get easier as you go too especially once that ball's rolling and everybody kind of understands what's happening right mm-hmm. i mean and, and that was the, most- the cool thing about the pandemic it was that you know at, of all the industries this was one that everybody was worried about and didn't know what would happen. And as much as it was hard times a, a, in a certain way, it boomed like everybody just moved online, but kept on plugging and kept on pushing and kept on creating. And uh, you know, and, and it was cool to see comic shops helping each other. You know what I mean? And like, hell even SourcePoint point was sending comic shops, free inventory just to help them like keep making money. They were like, here's some books, just sell them. We don't want anything for them, you know? And just to see all these different, you know, and, and auctions and charities. And it was actually a really beautiful thing that came out of COVID is how the whole comic industry actually really did come out and support each other. You know, it was an awesome thing to see.
1: And I think like like what Sam
3: was, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I was just going to point out, we had our most successful uh, Kickstarter campaign during the pandemic, Kenny, sorry, over to you, Shane. Right. No, I just like, like what you were saying earlier about the pencils down thing
3: was it gave these guys like, like Carl Kershaw, Andy B, Marco Rudy. These guys had all these passion projects that they've been working on or wanted to publish for a while and I guess never had time for it. And then all of a sudden COVID was the, sort of the perfect time to be like, hey, let me actually like put this out and they've been more successful than ever. So it's it's really great.
2: I love how my my COVID project has almost become a term. Like, I've heard so many people using it when I've been talking to them at shows or whatever. Like, this was my COVID project. Like, everybody did something to keep their brains moving, you know?
1: The great thing about Shane is that uh, he has the ability to also push us into scary places. Like, for example... Uh, I do? I think Shane, well, it's, it was your idea to do an oversized omnibus. Like, I was already just to do a straight-up... Uh, uh, paperback but a hardcover omnibus is actually a little scary to be honest but really uh, I
2: kind of I, that seems to make sense to me I figured if you were going to do an omnibus that you know if you're going to go big go home right like hardcover I'll take definitely. credit for
3: it but I mean I don't remember saying that at all I just uh, <laughs> I don't remember half the shit I say at these meetings <laughs> well I remember
2: in the very beginning when you guys weren't even sure if you were going to go with magazine format yet like there was a time when you guys were still discussing whether you were going to make it a comic book
3: Yeah, I think, like, the whole plan from Cauldron was, like, I mean, I remember definitely there was a meeting where it was, like, because Casey came into the, like, fold a little bit later on, but it was Ricky, me, and Sam. And and we basically wanted to do our version of heavy metal, which is what I think we've done. But basically this sort of – actually, I don't even know how heavy metal – its format is today, but well, basically we basically wanted something to feel like that magazine,
1: right? Like that was exactly what we're going for. So, absolutely. And, and uh, the fact that DC uh, has since embraced the format with their black label stuff, I, I really, really feel vindicated by that.
2: Well, people love it. And, you know, it's something that's been kind of missing from, you know, the scene so it always kind of made sense to me i always figured it would do well at least around here especially like there's a huge fantasy and thriller contingent around the area you know
3: yeah so and well, I think, yeah definitely with the size people thought like uh, we definitely heard from multiple people go like uh oh, comic shops don't want to carry it because it doesn't fit into like their regular like racks And i was like i don't know man like that doesn't seem sound right to me because like i see all kinds of great like top shelf books that come in all different sizes um and then yeah like like sam said we're vindicated because not long after was the black label which is almost the same size and dc if dc's gonna do it they're gonna carry it right
2: yeah Mm -hmm. well it makes more sense um to go bigger than smaller to me like i hate those like i hate square comics you know, when people like choose the like, like no offense, Fred, if you're listening out there, I love the fourth planet, beautiful book. But those, but the square format is just it just drives me crazy. Well,
3: so so what's basically fit with Cauldron, anything Aldrin kind of came out of so way back in I think 2013, 2014, Phil McClory and Brian Avenue did a called monstrosity it was a monster anthology there's two mm-hmm. volumes of it and they did one previously called horror in the west it was a horror anthology and sam and i were both part of it along with like a lot of other talented creators and we we um we ended up buying a bunch of copies at, at like below i think it was like cost price that we got them for or and like that and these books were they would they did it manga size so it was like the smaller almost like a little like pocket like novel mm-hmm. which Everyone, I think they thought it was going to be cool, but it seems to only really work for like manga, whereas like American comics, people don't really want that. So we had these books and the, I think like the second volume had over 200 pages worth of content, like just Jason Liu was in it, like all kinds of great stories by all these amazing creators. Adam Gorham did stuff in it. Michael Walsh did a, a pinup in it. So like all these like amazing creators, like I'm talking like a lot of them. And like I found at shows, like we couldn't fucking give these books away. You wouldn't sell it for ten bucks. Nobody wanted it. We ended up selling them, I think, for like five, which we still like made a profit on, but it was very low. But like that book has so much more content than than Cauldron. Cauldron mm-hmm. we aim for like forty eight to sixty pages somewhere in there. But just the idea of it bigger, people go, oh, bigger, it's worth more. Even though there's actually mm-hmm. like way less content in it but it's it almost feels like you know you can see the art it's an art almost like an art book you know yeah uh, people yeah. really like that so the magazine format like we sell called cauldron for 10 bucks no problem we had a book with 200 pages and plus we couldn't even
1: give them away like it
3: was crazy right, right. well and
1: i we think love phil and 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 brian we love absolutely love what they did but uh yeah. one of the problems with the format is is the small art so you had a murderer's row of artists and I found at least in in my case that uh, shrinking the art to that size really really didn't do a lot of the uh, stories uh, the justice they deserved I would love to see like a reprinting of that in a larger format because it absolutely deserves a larger format
2: And the smaller manga sized books are just that like manga in Japan is more considered like how we look at Archie here, right? Like you buy one, you read it, you toss it. It's not like a collectible kept thing. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think
3: what people don't realize is, so manga has a very huge audience. Like they sell, you know, like it's like what American comics they want to do. They tap into like, they're, they got teenage girls reading comic books and in America, they're like, how do we do that? Like, they don't know how to do it, but they don't realize that it doesn't really go the other way. Whereas American people love manga, people who are into manga don't really like American comic books. Right. Like you talk to any American, like guys who do American style comic books, if they go to like, uh, what's that show Anime North, mm-hmm. they're like, I did terrible. People at Anime North don't want my fucking comic books that look like G.I. Joe or Superman. Like that's yeah. not what they're into, right? It goes one way, it doesn't go back the other way. So, yeah. but I will say for Monstrosity, I think Sam would agree is that I think that was definitely like without without Monstrosity, those books, I don't think Cauldron would exist.
1: Yeah, we give them full credit for, for giving us the the inspiration and and uh impetus to start Cauldron.
2: Well, it's it's cool that cauldron over its four volumes has really you know it really developed its own style and its own voice it's it's obviously heavy metal inspired but not like heavy metal you know there's a lot more thrill in there there's a lot more kind of horror element but you guys you guys have had tons of creators throughout these four volumes and straight up people there are some fucked up fucking stories going on in these cauldron (laughs) issues like just straight up whacked out shit and it's awesome that way that you guys like you just went with it you know what i mean like shane what was your story called
3: um i'm it
2: was the the gay muscle men the
3: (laughs) they're all my stories about gay muscle men
2: right but you know the one i'm talking (laughs) about
3: are you talking about the 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 one do in stuff? issue three with where uh, it's basically a pornographic story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not gay. He's having sex with a woman. No, isn't there a
2: gay one though? Where uh, it was all these big, tough, burly gay dudes. That's like all my
3: guys I draw.
2: Molding them all together.
3: <laughs> yeah, I like my guys. Like I like kind of going for that interview with a vampire feel, where it's you're like. It's kind of like homoerotic. But sure, are like, they gay? I don't know. Who cares? You know, they're yeah. big, muscly guys. You know, do you, uh, do you have you ever? Do you ever watch The Orville? No, I've not seen it.
2: There's, there's one character uh, on there. They're called Moklands. Oh, the Klingon type character. Yeah, they're like basically the Klingons of the show, but they're a little more like made up, big, crazy heads, and they look like you know really mean warrior race. And they're all these big, burly guys, and they're the Klingons of the universe. Except there's only dudes and the dudes only bang the dudes and marry the dudes. And, um, but when they do it, it's all like big and manly. And like, it's absolutely hilarious. I fucking well, love it. Well, This
1: season there was a, there was the most graphic, uh, uh, sequence. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which one are you referring to?
1: Uh, when, when, uh, oh, when they're uh, running for the jungle, when <laughs> Bortus and his uh, partner, Cl- Clive Cliven, Cliven, Cliven yeah, uh, yeah, renewed their marriage yes. vows yeah, and uh, basically stripped the- down, uh, <laughs> made the crew watch as they chased each other and, and wrestled. uh, <laughs> uh before, <laughs> Sweaty before and naked in, in the
3: forest.
2: Uh, that's awesome oh yeah it was fantastic but yeah
3: so so back to Culture, though that that was my first time i did a um a a pornographic story and I, i like i was always hesitant to do stuff like that but you know i'm a fan of guys like milo manera you know guys like richard corbin do really risque stuff uh brandon graham does you know straight up porno comics and i thought like oh yeah like it's not just you know to whack off to like it is an art form in itself too porn right like so you can do some really cool stuff with it and that's what I tried to do oh for sure and I think I like uh you know there's a story in issue two of Cauldron that I didn't think was like crazy enough and that Sam did that and then Sam came back on issue four and did just I inked the story that Jason Tokowitz <laughs> did and i like he just fucking outdid himself he went like one step crazier than I did
1: Well, you really set the tone. And and again, this is this is the whole uh, this is the great thing about about this sort of collaborative medium and all of us sort of being in our our private uh, group showing off the art and everything like that, because, you know, you make assumptions, right? I, I just assumed, but we're a direct to consumer publication, right? So I just assumed in my mind that our line was whatever was rated R. But when you cross that line, it's like, you know what, we're, we're, we're edgy, we're contemporary, we don't don't have to be necessarily beholden to anything well that's the place to do from
2: it from. is something like calls are, right? yeah it makes perfect for, sense for sure I mean when yeah, I used that's to, exactly what I want when I used to see heavy metal magazines I, I wasn't jerking off to heavy metal magazines you know what I mean? Even though you had all these big-titted women dry, riding around on yeah. dragons and shit, it wasn't like a source of like jerk material. You know what I mean? I'm sure it was,
3: for some people, it was. You know, that's that's part of it too. You know, oh well, maybe, it's, but uh, generally, they were actually
2: readable, interesting stories that yeah. were just cool because they had big tits in them and chicks and, on dragons. Yeah, I remember like... Shit
1: visually stunning as as well right so i mean that's Absolutely. that's what we're going for in our our thing it's not just straight up like cut to the to the set you know set up cut to the sex we always make sure there's an actual story there's emotional content there's consequences yeah. right there's there's characters involved so uh yeah when we uh do it there's a lot of build up there's a lot of character building and uh yeah there's 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 an actually beginning, middle and end that's that's aside from the sexual content, aside from the uh, more graphic aspects there. Yeah, it, it makes you feel something and, and think that's that's what I was going for. With
2: It definitely uh, makes you think that's what I like best about Cauldron. It's not like uh, like I'll use your book as an example, uh, Sam, um, Dwayne's Inferno which is still has one of the most (laughs) disturbing few panels I've ever seen in a comic book. And as disturbed, and that was just kind of straight up disturbing. Like, you know, it made you think a little because, you know, it was interesting and it was, uh, you know, about emotion and this and that. But at the same time, it was more of just a a shocking image and a situation where cauldron, it really does make you think it kind of takes you into And I don't want to say think in like a philosophical way, but it kind of sparks the imagination. It gets the reader's creativity going because Mm -hmm. these are such unique and out there worlds. And with each of these stories kind of being a one shot most of the time, you know, it it, it, that was cool about heavy metal, too, is that you dip into this world, you get this cool story and you're out. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. because of that, you're able to there's a, a huge sense of wonder in a lot of these stories because of the fact that you you're not getting a lot any details about this world you're dropped into this world you get a really cool story that makes you think and then you're out and you don't need a lot of like like, exposition right
3: as far as like the stories what i like to do and i think sam does it like especially on Dwayne's inferno and you think of like the best you know stories you've read the best things that mean the most to you like i think of like Stuff like Jeff Lemire's Essex County, Preacher, the comic book, you know, like Watchmen, things like that. These are things that like when you're done reading it, you think about it. and You go right. kind of like fucking it resonates in some way, whether it makes you sad, happy, disturbed, stuff like that. So I like with my stories and, and I think Sam does and everyone does on theirs book too. Casey as well going like I want, I want when someone puts that book down, they go. Yeah, I'm going to remember that story. I might want to yeah. reread that story and go, that was weird. That was fucked up. You know, that kind yeah. of thing.
2: Well, that's what's great, too. It's very
3: rereadable.
2: Like, especially having yeah. over the four volumes and short stories, you're going to forget about them and be able to go back to them and be like, oh, yeah, this was cool, you know?
3: Well, how, how many anthologies have you bought that you go like, all right, I bought it just, you know, to support someone or look kind of cool. True. Like, I'll read it on the toilet. <laughs> and then you, like, yeah. barely ever pick it up or you read one st- story and you go yeah like nothing there's nothing memorable about it i have a million of them in boxes going like i, bu- I don't know why i bought them but i don't even care to ever read them ever again like right, that's not right. what you want you want someone to be like i, I want to hang on to this this is fucking wild
2: absolutely hey kids if you want to experience something fucking wild show up to gotham central comics and collectibles on october 29th be there for the indie fest because sam and shane will be there and uh you will have some cauldron yes
1: yeah, we've got uh, wait, wait. all four issues. Shane, you still have some of uh, issue issue three, right? Because that's the rare one right now. I believe I do. Okay, if if you can buy volume uh, issue three from Shane, because we're running out fast. It was published the pornography. pornography. It was published during the pandemic, and there's very few left in print, which is partly why we're doing the uh, omnibus edition. But right. uh, get in on that, and yeah, we lo- look out for the cauldron. Uh, uh, what's our what's our title? Wicked Appetites.
2: Yes, for- Forbidden. Oh, appetites.
1: Sorry, uh, it- Cauldron Forbidden Appetites uh, hardcover omnibus Kickstarter, and be on the lookout for uh, Cauldron Five as well. We're gearing up for that as well. Ooh. Yeah, Sam and I are doing exciting. a deal at uh,
3: Gotham uh, every cauldron comes with free anal beads <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding
2: that's shaneography for you kids <laughs> awesome guys well um uh, thank you so much for hanging out chilling out and uh helping us hype up the indie fest here uh I would also like Carlos to thank a, you guys has a
1: great show Uh, he runs a great indie fest i've been involved or halloween comics fest and i've been involved with that and free comic book day for more years than i can imagine probably close to seven or eight years now and and i can't recommend his store enough to people carlos is the
3: best store like no one has a shop like that anymore he's the only one
2: no that's the place to be kids at gotham central comics and collectibles uh let me just close out by Again, thanking you two for allowing me to have a tiny bit of involvement in something as spectacular and special as cauldron. Are you going to um,
1: dress up as the uh, dweller for Halloween?
2: I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. The only thing is it always means shaving the beard. so if
3: if, oh. if it's
2: going to mean, if it's going to mean that I can do him for Halloween and at the same time, uh, there's a new Kickstarter video to do, then absolutely. Because uh, if you guys need a Kickstarter video, I'm always ready to shave. But if it's just like a silly day at the comic shop, I'm not sure if I'm willing to give the up beard. the beard.
1: Bring, me, bring, bring the outfit.
2: Right, yeah. Well, well, either way, we'll figure it out. But yeah, thank you guys for letting me uh, have a small part in uh, oh, such an amazing it, thing that uh, You're you guys awesome. have created. Very, very proud to know you guys. Very proud to call you friends. Uh, thanks again, fellas
1: thanks dude thank you
2: there you go kids uh we shall continue on bringing you more fantastic indie creators take it ease <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is i think episode 418 of an elegant weapon if it's not who cares uh, we're coming up close. And when 420 gets here, oh, it's going to get here indeed. All right, kids, we're continuing our Gotham Central Comics and Collectibles Indie Fest preview spotlight extravaganza. Tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen, the incredibly talented, the amazing, the so nice and kind and wonderful Miss Becca Kinsey. Becca,
4: thank hey. you so much for hanging out, man. Thanks for having me, Jay.
2: Absolutely. Are you excited for the Gotham Central Indie Fest?
4: I am so excited. I'm counting out, counting down the days and planning my costume. It's going to be fantastic.
2: Okay, nice. I'm glad you're planning your costume because the yeah. other few people I've talked to weren't even like realizing how serious that Joey was that mm-hmm. you have to wear a costume. And I was like, no, I think Joey's pretty serious
4: mm-hmm. about
2: the situation. So yeah. are you keeping it a surprise what you have planned or...
4: I'm kind of a surprise if you've seen myself in makeup can kind of expect know what to expect pretty much.
2: Well, I know this is going to be a particularly special event for you being the horror (laughs) freak that you are. Halloween is a special time for you, I'm sure. Yes.
4: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's like this month has been so busy. I guess like now that people around the community know that I'm like, oh, Becca's the horror person. Let's contact her this (laughs) October. So, like, I just booked um, an event this Saturday coming up. Oh, cool. So, I've never done it before. So, it's a witchy market. So, we'll see how it goes. Oh, that's cool,
2: though. That sounds interesting. A lot of people are having these Halloween markets now. I saw saw Mm. that Stormcrow Manor just had the, uh, like, a market. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. Martin, I try to get into that one but it got full really fast so
2: oh yeah he had mentioned that actually i guess it was more of a crafty thing anyways it didn't seem like Mm -hmm. they had a lot of artists there you know
4: yeah it didn't hurt to try just like
2: there's anything that looks cool oh of course absolutely they should do more events like that and they should have some more like comic specific events they've got that nice area outside i know they're always having dance parties and stuff yeah so they should They need to support the local comic community a little bit more, Stonecore Manor. We're all the ones who are there drinking your funky drinks and eating your funky food, you know?
4: Except I've never been before. So, (gasps) yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. It's your dream come true. I look at the photos and then I'm like, I should be there, but I don't know why it's never happened. So oh, we have to make it on my to-do list. Yeah.
2: yeah. I took the yeah. kids, uh, some of the kids from Source Point there when we were here, when they were here last for Fan Expo, we went one night. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, they loved it. And it turns out we weren't expecting this, but I took Josh Werner on a little tour of the place because mm-hmm. we were eating out on the patio. And when yeah. you go into the foyer, he freaks out because it turns out they're selling one of Sourcepoint's games out of the uh, Welcome to. Oh, they're yeah. selling it in the lobby, so then they came to Sourcepoint and bought a whole bunch of the little uh, claim card games that Sourcepoint has, and mm-hmm. they bought all of them out, and they're going to put them in their vending machine at Stormcrow. So it's like a game card, like a card game vending machine. That's so awesome. yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, they have a Cthulhu room, like a Lovecraft room. Mm-hmm. There's a, like a, like a Blade Runner room. Oh, it's in, oh, when you go down to the washroom, I'm sure you've seen the picture of the skulls.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: But those are actually far more impressive in person. Like the pictures look mm-hmm. cool, but yeah, place is really, really well done. So is this your first Indie Fest at in Gotham?
4: Um, it's not my first event at Gotham. Like I was at the, um, what was it last year? We, it was, it was like, the
2: tenth anniversary, the tenth birthday yes. party. Yeah,
4: yeah. So there was that this summer, and then last summer was something else during COVID.
2: I know they had two during events. August. Like yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like both of those were fun. So right. yeah, I I love that place. Um, Carlos and everybody, they're amazing, amazing people, and there's a great sense of community there too. You know. Oh, Just, we're,
2: it's, he's built a beautiful thing that everybody yeah. can feel like a real part of. What was your introduction to Gotham Central?
4: Um, I think, well, from going to Fan Expo, I've always seen, they've always been there. Their presence has always been there, but I never met anybody there. Right. Just kind of saw people floating about, uh, when I was in the artist alley section, like in the, you know, where the, all the tables are and stuff. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it was it was the year Todd McFarlane came to Fan Expo and I met Carlos in the lineup and we hit it off and uh he took a picture of Todd for me and sent it to uh, my phone and so
2: are you kidding that's how you met Carlos yeah was randomly yeah. at line in Fan Expo waiting for a signature from Todd McFarlane that's yeah
4: crazy yeah so and, that was cool so just, how does yeah. that like
2: how long into the conversation before he's like, yeah, I have a comic shop or does that kind of, is that like the, do you remember the conversation enough? Like-
4: I don't, but I just remember it was, everything was super cool and chill and, you know, it yeah, it just felt yeah, natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you meet somebody and you're like, yeah, yeah, this works, you know? It's
2: just crazy that yeah. you guys would be in that moment. I mean, I guess it's a little crazier to me because I know both of you. And but mm-hmm. uh, just that you, you know, being such a now integral part of the community as far as an artist and him mm-hmm. being this, you know, grand architect of this community he's made that mm-hmm. you're now a part of. It's so weird. And what a simple like you figured you guys would have met because you went to the store one day like so someone was like let's go to gotham or you should go to gotham no it's a fan expo online
4: (laughs) yeah yeah just top of all bringing people together strangely enough right um but yeah um and then like through gotham it's like oh i recognize all these people from who i've seen throughout the years and got to know them better and um especially also strangely enough during my kickstarter last year uh, meeting arnold and some of the guys from the spent pencils crew back, right. back in the day um like i remember seeing their tables and being impressed with the size of their display and everything and then just but just talking to them and meeting them in person it like that was cool finally and just like oh everyone's so cool and then you know it just kind of snowballs from there but like when you meet more people oh, yeah. from the mississauga community
2: yeah so, yeah which wasn't yeah. like it's kind of weird that that grew out of mississauga because mm-hmm. mississauga's community was not like extensive it was like a little mm-hmm. tiny offshoot of the toronto community as most mm-hmm. are but even i don't know there was there was no like other places had little cliques like there was a niagara clique of artists and you know and, yeah. and here and there and even guelph and stuff but like mm-hmm. and kitchener waterloo area but all of a sudden um Gotham shows up and it starts bringing people like Andrew Thomas and Megan Huang, mm-hmm. you know, and and Jason Lowe. And although I don't think yeah. he I know he worked in Mississauga. I don't think he ever lived in Mississauga, though. I think he was always in Toronto. I don't know. I'll have to ask sometime. but either okay. way. So there's this like like a couple of people. But then for Gotham to show up where it did um, mm-hmm. was interesting because I didn't go for the first couple of years because I had altered states yeah. down in Clarkson. Oh, okay right so i've been going there since i was 13 so why would i ever need mm-hmm. to bother going all the way up north so it wasn't until mm-hmm. i started podcasting that i was like there's i had like a reason to go there did yeah. you do you have an lcs uh, up in you're in guelph right um kitchener waterloo oh you are in kitchener
1: waterloo right yeah
4: yeah so the community in contrast it's very small up here right. but tight knit. like i'm more like a ham like all ah, words okay <laughs> um yeah so like I'm more like I will spend time like at Alfonso's shop. I'll, yeah. At Why Studio can't Comics? I talk all of a sudden?
2: That's all right. <laughs> Sorry. There's no um, rush. You know, eh. half the time I can't talk around here. So <laughs> don't worry. I spend a, too much time on this show with ums and ahs and things that aren't actually words.
4: Yeah. Just <laughs> getting a little tongue tight there. All right. So um, like, I'm more familiar with Alfonso and crew yeah, at right. uh, Studio Comics. Um, Not only as you know, not only are they a print shop, I mean a, a print shop, but just a comic book store. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's just really easy for me like come a convention or an event time, like I can just be like, Hey Alfonso, can you print this for me? I'll send you the files and you know it's just easy. But oh, then it's, it's really
2: super convenient for you. Yeah. And yeah, it's just
4: yeah. always turns out into a hangout session whenever you go right. in that place. I but,
2: still haven't been. Yeah. I feel ashamed yeah. that I haven't been. And I also have to go up there and take a tree or prune a tree for him
4: Uh, and uh,
2: Alfonso if you hear this I'm sorry I will get (laughs) there I promise I will get there uh things are mellowing out Mm -hmm. um but, yeah, it's beautiful up there. I love Guelph. I've done a little bit of time up there um, for work mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's a gorgeous area, especially uh, –
4: mm-hmm. why
2: am I talking about Guelph again? Because we were just it's, talking it's, about Kitchener. <laughs>
4: because they're all, it all very, close together. It all becomes, like, just, yeah. like,
2: this one section. Yeah, it gets confusing. Um,
4: yeah, no, it's confusing. Like, Guelph is pretty. I, I agree with you there. Right. But it's the way the cities are, like, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, it's all – Mushes together. It That's, should you know,
2: be we... brought together. Like it should yeah. be all like uh, unified, and mm-hmm. they should they should uh, they should have a confederation up there, and yeah. turn all of that into just one big massive like area, and then we they can sh- all just have to stop screwing up all the time.
4: <laughs> exactly. Like it's like the way things are expanding over here. Like you might as well, you know.
2: Now, Becca, mm-hmm. uh, being the horror enthusiast that you are.
4: <laughs> Yes. Uh,
2: not only that, you have also been for a while now, a great uh, source of inspiration to the Padawan Aww. being my son. He has been an admirer of you for a couple of years now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, his wall is adorned with your Pennywise. He absolutely oh, wow. loves that uh, that piece. And every time we go to a show, he says, is Becca going to be there? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so he's a big fan and I know you guys have this weird relation. Like you're Mm -hmm. actually, you're very similar in your personalities in a way, which, yeah. In the way that like, I know it's surprising to sound, but this is my son we're talking about, but he's, he's far more introverted than I am. Mm -hmm. He's just much more chill and he's uh, a much calmer soul. Um, you know, and he's just kind of a go with the flow individual And he's not the attention whore that his father is. He does not try to scoop out the spotlight in any way. Yet, he's incredibly creative, Mm -hmm. um, as you know. Um,
4: Yes, he's insanely talented.
2: Very talented young man. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm going to say that as his dad. But I do know he's got some skills. (laughs) And he has put down the pencils for a while. And he is hardcore into editing. Mm -hmm. nowadays which actually i'm very very cool with because that's what i wanted to do when i was growing up my dream job was to be a film editor and Mm -hmm. he is just obsessed with it now i got him after effects and all he's doing is editing now i need you to reassure me of something because i think that you have turned out to be a well-adjusted mature human being enough so uh, for at least as much as i know of you you're not like (laughs) out there causing harm to other individuals. Now my kid has been obsessed with horror movies since far too young for me to have let him watch them like I did, (laughs) but I've always trusted him to be mature and smart and understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, This has progressed through the years. It's never quite gone away. He's gotten into other things, but uh, he's gotten to a level now and so has society where there is becoming a bit of a blur between reality and fantasy when it comes to horror mm-hmm. with the new Dahmer show on Netflix and a lot of you know this kind of stuff going on and I'm not super concerned but I had to have a chat with him mm-hmm. about these TikToks that he makes because he makes a lot of edits he's one of those editors on TikToks like the flashes and the shakes and it's just like a mini mini music video about mm-hmm. a character and he makes them about the walking dead and he makes them about uh better call Saul. And, you know, a lot of his Jason ones and, and Halloween ones, but, mm-hmm. uh, he, he made one about Zodiac from oh. the movie. Right. Okay. Which I was like, Ugh. because he had actually also asked a few friends, he didn't do this. And he'd like, would it be in poor taste if I made a Dahmer edit? And I was like, yes, you, you know, So I actually had to have a chat with him and I'm not super worried about this, but I had to ask him to please not make TikToks about anything real life Mm -hmm. and um, keep it to the fantasy characters. I'm not telling you to not be interested in what you're interested in because I'm pretty sure it's just an interest, Um, but I had to have that conversation with him. Was there ever a time with you and your parents growing up? Uh, w- were those conversations ever had between you and your parents? Have, did you ever have those kind of moments where they were worried about you maybe because of your interest in, in the dark and dreary?
4: Sometimes, but not in a way you'd expect. So like, um, just I came from more of a conservative background. So religion was the big thing here oh, um, especially shit. with grandparents well their business was religion i'll just put it that way And i can say that now because they're dead so okay. <laughs> yeah yeah um so stuff like halloween and horror movies were banned from the house and it wasn't wow. until i was 18 when you know it was like oh it's okay you're old enough you can do whatever you want because i was starting to go down that direction anyway.
2: okay because
4: like I've always had an interest in dark stuff, but it was always scary. And I don't know if it was scary because it was something I wasn't allowed to do or look at, or if it was just, I don't know how to explain it. But then at the same time, I would watch stuff like, you know, those murder mystery shows or detective shows, like stuff to be based in real life. And, you know, when I look back on that and I'm like, you know, that's more disturbing than the fantasy stuff, you know? And when I start watching horror movies and that, I'm like, what's wrong with, this is art you know right so i just find it strange coming from the background that i did and you know like detective shows and murder mysteries and whatever that's okay but and what i mean detective shows i don't mean stuff like i'm only thinking of this because angela lansbury died but murder she wrote i'm not saying that but the ones like Based on real life. Oh, sure. Know?
2: Forensic yeah. files and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. His yeah. mother is obsessed with murder shows. Every time yeah. I see, I'm like, how's the murder going? Are you enjoying your murder? Because <laughs> that's all she watches. And it is, a, yeah. a, a, you know, I know it's a female pastime, you know, and there's mm-hmm. the stereotype that's yeah. grown. Um, it's funny. I saw a TikTok or a meme the other day that said, uh, don't take away your man's hobbies or something. Um, if he Mm -hmm. wants to play video games let him have his video games go watch your forensic Mm -hmm. files and shut the fuck up
4: yeah and I was just
2: like perfect that's perfect right
4: you know that's the best way to say it because really it's just
2: yeah Yeah. it's just no it's uh it's just interesting like I guess you came to it a little later in life then but just having Mm -hmm. to navigate nowadays how much access a 12-year-old has to these things and it's not mm-hmm. that i'm super worried but just i find myself needing to even i i tell him things i know he already knows like you know remember how horrific these real life things were and the victims and their families mm-hmm. and like you know you can't be glorifying the things that happened to them i understand mm-hmm. it's interesting and you know horror is cool but don't let old things yeah. be so forgotten you know like
4: mm-hmm. it, i think it sorry go ahead
2: no you go ahead
4: okay i think it's worse to censor things honestly cuz that's what in the environment i was raised in that's people try to do that and it never works right so like you know let people explore but you know as long as conversations are happening that's important and uh well whoops yeah <laughs> um sound effects okay um <laughs> Yeah. So <clears throat> no, it's as long as it's like, there's open, honest conversations, like that's important. And I think it's worse to ban things, honestly, because we know. do need to learn and talk about it. But to the point where, uh, stereo killers, like myself, I do love listening to podcasts podcasts or looking up stuff like that but for commissions i won't draw serial killers you know oh I don't really lie. yeah yeah i'm not big on that oh that's know?
2: cool yeah no no yeah, yeah. i had yeah. never even occurred to me that that could be mm-hmm. a thought but i mean it's the exact same thought i had right yeah yeah,
4: because i don't want to be glorifying that stuff and like i'll i'll have you know fascination with the uh, charles manson for example but i don't want to write about it or make art about it you know it's just no because there's the victims on the other side of it right right so it's just being respectful of something that did happen and you know
2: uh, no that's the right way to go you know you you, you know it's that shows just a well-balanced you know line between imagination and stuff and like Mm -hmm. i understand that he was tempted because it's like a popular thing with the show yeah, being popular, and he wants to have a popular TikTok. But at least I know mm-hmm. that he asked the question first. He understood yeah. right away that, you know, there's there's a difference there. There's a line, you know. So, but anyways, enough about the dreary, <laughs> real life, uh, raising children nonsense. uh Gotham Central Indie Fest, where you will be. What are you bringing with you, Becca?
4: I will be bringing two books. So. Uh, Obviously, I'll be bringing uh, Gehenna Death Valley. And I will also be bringing issue one of the Wormhole Club tragedy. So I'm sure we both know Drina, editor extraordinaire. Drina,
2: yes. Yes.
4: Yes. Yes. I'm so happy. Sorry to interrupt. It's okay.
2: But I'm so happy that you guys got connected and that that all went down because she's just. She's just one of the good ones. She's just one of those special human beings that a light just glows from her. And this is coming from a guy who's never worked with her. And then people Mm -hmm. who work with her become even more her minions of love. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just it's a, it's a special thing. So I'm very happy that that connection happened, but uh, yes, please do tell us about the creation that she has helped you manipulate into being a reality.
4: Okay. So it's funny that, you know, we were talking about like serial killers and stuff and you know, um, just the online side of, you know, how accessible everything is. Cause it's kind of, I'm taking some things from that idea with wormhole club. So there's a mysterious creepy pasta ish entity that's corrupting people. That's the basic pitch of it. And so it starts it with a, a fire at a popular nightclub and there's a fatality. So it's like, was this an accident? Was this a murder? This figure has been seen and it's spreading all over the internet. And so it's like what's real, what's reality? And um and yeah, so I'm just pitching it kind of like Death Note meets David Cronenberg kind of idea. Just something weird, mysterious, bizarre.
2: Yeah. Kind of feels like
4: a true crime, but not really. It's it's weird explaining it, but visually it'll it makes more sense.
2: It sounds super sounds, cool. I've been looking yeah. forward to to getting a chance to read it. So, um, had you ever worked
4: with an editor before this? Nope.
2: Never. Nope. And ever, so yeah. what spurred you on to doing that?
4: I've been working with Bob Sally on a separate comics project, uh, Beholden. So issue one has been done. I'm not sure what's happening. With that, as of yet, but just because with COVID, everything you know, right, Everything gets pushed back, delayed, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So once Bob gets I over his Rina.
2: midlife crisis, we'll figure out what's going on with it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I hope hopefully more is coming from that project too because I love it. But Drina's editing that project.
1: Oh, cool. So that's how
4: we connected. Yeah, yeah, and just that uh, we clicked, and I was like, should I? Talk to her about Wormhole Club, and the email happened. The messages happened, and been working on it since then. So we're trying to get issue two going off the ground, but it's still in the writing stages, which is fine. I just rather carefully plan and not rush and have the product suck. You know what I mean? That's yeah, absolutely. the, The fear when you're doing a DIY. Sorry, go ahead. No,
2: I had an experience on the weekend. Uh, You might have seen my post about this, where being a tree climber by day, uh, I get up very early and I'm usually in a tree by like 8 Mm a.m. And so on the weekends, when I get up early, it's very hard not to move. It's very hard for my body not to feel like it's got to be moving around and doing something. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I did Um, see that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I very consciously broke that trend on the weekend. And I got up Mm -hmm. Saturday at 7 Mm a.m. And I sat down at the laptop and I started writing this story. I didn't start this. I I started this story two years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It came out of the pandemic. It was an idea I had that I've been very randomly, casually working on jot things down, write things out here and there, Um, but never put serious time into it. I sat down at this computer and Mm -hmm. I wrote for four hours straight. Awesome. And I swear to God, I got high. Like when I was Mm -hmm. done, I was like, (gasps) Like, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself. And I was all like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like all this shit had just flowed out of me. Mm-hmm. And it was this insane fucking experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it it makes you kind of want to chase it. And it makes you, mm-hmm. but, but that was the thing. And then, like, I found maybe I was going a bit too fast. So I had to slow myself down because I, I, I got so excited that I got so much done. And mm-hmm. it made me want to get a whole bunch more done. But then yeah. I stopped myself and I was like, no, you know what? Go over what you've already done and work on that for a bit. So I hear what you're saying about patience. Do you ever have to find yourself slowing yourself down or giving yourself a better pace on something?
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so this is like, I forget how many drafts this is right now, but the first drop was just garbage, but it was, just, right. this is where Gina's great where I'm just like, Hey, can you just look this over? I, could be hard on myself but it could suck and she's like yeah it's confusing like rework these parts so it's you know which is when you're excited it could just you're vomiting ideas from your brain and then how is it all coming together that's right yeah part of the writing process it's messy at the beginning but then you just keep editing 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 and tightening it and just keep going until you're satisfied with it and Everything looks great, like how you're imagining it, and then it's just goes from there. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but but that high though, what you're saying, it's there's nothing like it, right?
2: It's pretty cool. Well, it reminds me of when I used to get off stage when I used to do plays. Mm -hmm. When I would do a play, I would literally, literally feel like I was two feet off the ground, Mm -hmm. like just floating around after having you know done what you know had just done. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. As an artist writer do you separate the two when you're doing the process together or do you ever start with one or the other differently like when you Mm -hmm. have a story an idea that comes into your head what usually comes first the words the pictures
4: it depends really um i think with wormhole club it started with the images for sure um just nothing was coming together so we start with individual characters and then like i'm trying to piece issue two together but i've got the last page drawn you know
2: right (laughs) so it's
4: just you know and i'm like okay everything is based on this one page because it looks sick and i want to end it on that page for issue two you know so it then just builds and builds and builds from there until it all connects together and then sometimes like in many cases with gehenna like sometimes the words would come first before the images because like oh my goodness drawing the main monster the spider creature i'm kicking myself for why did my brain come up with this this is (laughs) the hardest thing (laughs) i've drawn with all these limbs and hands
2: that's hilarious yeah
4: it varies yeah
2: i guess the two must meld here and there too right like when you get a certain idea do you jump back and forth do you like write the script then start drawing it or do you kind of jump back and forth or is it like all a melded process for you
4: it goes back and forth like yeah. I'm, I'm messy when i create
2: so oh, that's awesome you know? yeah no yeah. i remember my grade eight or sorry grade six art teacher telling me uh if you're not willing to get messy you're not willing to make art
4: mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know and so art is messy Holy. always <laughs> always so.
2: what's your environment do you have a studio at home there do you just uh
4: um i have this room which badly needs a makeover but
2: i was it's a thinking good, what a, a cool space. wall that looked like actually
4: it's very <laughs> 90s 90s wallpaper but <laughs> you know so this is the space here and then I kind of work all over the place with my iP- my ipad pro um that's where i draw the bulk of my comics and art now so i just like the portability of it and right especially so you're doing
2: mainly digital work these days
4: yeah yeah and i'm working on a mm-hmm. original piece too but well, it's lord of the rings esque but you know, just for fun, just so right. I don't lose that touch with paper and ink, you know?
2: Okay, here we go, yeah. Becca. Are you ready? Okay, we've got ready? we've got six minutes left as we <gasps> speak here. All right. Ooh, okay. The rings of power.
4: Yes. Ooh.
2: Your thoughts on the rings of power.
4: Okay. I am a hardcore Lord of the Rings, hobbit...
3: joking...
4: nerd.
2: Uh oh, we're freezing out.
4: I went not shut that out. However, after the first two episodes, I was sold. And after watching all of the episodes, I absolutely adore the show.
2: Okay, it, I'm it, sorry. Yeah. Um it kind of murgled your speech there for a minute. Okay, St- sorry. start over from I am a massive Lord of the Rings fan.
4: <laughs> okay. So I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan and like The Hobbit, Tolkien, all of it, right? Uh, I was hesitant to go into the show, but after the first two episodes, I was sold and After watching the whole season, I adore the show right like, yeah, that they know what they 're doing
2: I loved it like, I thought it was yes. great i wasn 't sure what I was going to get because i mean i loved <laughs> I loved the rings and like everybody else did and mm-hmm. uh, but i 've never been like a massive tolkien fan, but i 'll be honest, I think I may be being enjoying the show more than I did the movies, yeah and it's- there's something a little more as much I love the movies. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I have no issues mm. with the movies. They're amazing, mm-hmm. but there's something a little more fairy tale-esque about the show. Yes. Right? Yes. There's something a little more fantastical about the show that I'm really digging. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That could be that it's a set in an earlier time frame, and the hobbits are actually harfoots and they're a little more of a woodsy type creature. But just the you know the mm-hmm. wizard being in the ragged robes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something really really fantastical about it. The only thing that irks me a little is elves mm-hmm. with short hair. Just doesn't yes. seem right.
4: I I agree with that. <laughs>
2: it's literally the only thing that bothers me. I think the badass. same. And, you know same. The, the the sets of the cities and the city shots are. Oh my goodness! They rival the movie. Like absolutely like, right.
4: Martin and I were talking about Casa Doom, and he's like, "I was cheering when I saw it on screen. It's mind-blowingly awesome." Oh,
2: Numenor, like, like yeah. Oh my Numenor. goodness, it's it's just it, it's stunning. Now I don't know if you can explain this for me. I thought okay. Sauron made all the rings and then gave them out to everybody.
4: Um, in the books, yes, but they could be they could change it for the show, so that it translates better for the screen they or must something. Be having to right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because okay. be with how it's going and how the writing. I loved how they revealed Sauron. Yeah. Um. So I have confidence in them that they'll make it awesome in future seasons. Yeah. So do you think it's Gandalf? Um, I'm kind of in denial, and I'm hoping for a blue wizard. But That's if what it's a Gandalf, lot of
2: people are hoping for.
4: But if it's Gandalf, I won't be mad. Because it's a
2: little all. too early for Gandalf. Is yeah, so
4: so basically, well, here's the thing with, um, I have a theory why you might feel that way about the show versus the movies, because the show, it's based on literally notes,
3: right. like
4: not even fleshed out ideas or right. stories, right? So they have lots of room to make new stories out of the appendices, right? That. Yeah. So, and even Tolkien, at first he was like, oh, the wizards come in the third age, but then he changed his mind about the blue wizards. So... He could have changed his mind with the other wizards, sure, and also sure. another note too. The showrunners are working closely with the Tolkien estate with yes. this series. Yes, so whatever changes that are being made, it's being approved by them, if I understand correctly.
2: You know, whatever. If they can tell these tales more gloriously, I'm sure Tolkien yes. would have been fine with it. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I love that if it is Gandalf, that his mm-hmm. first introduction was the Harfoots, yes. completely explaining his affinity for the hobbits. Mm-hmm. I think it's just great and the the performances the acting yes. was just I just I know what a fan you are and I just wanted to get mm-hmm. your take on it because I I I thoroughly enjoyed Rings of Power I can't wait for more um it did i love the sauron reveal but then yes. you know at the end when he's standing there sorry for spoiling this for you kids but you know get on the ball <laughs> just you know, get on with it you know what he's the standing there on the mountain at at uh mordor and he's about to mm. walk and it's the last shot mm-hmm. and he's and then they make him look darker he's got like the mm-hmm. darker cloak and stuff he's a li- he's like a little too pretty to I'm, pull that moment off
4: for me <laughs> um maybe because i'm a straight woman, but I thought I'm okay with that because he's kind of kind of hot. I'm okay right. with hot Sauron. We got
2: hot Sauron. It's yeah. all good, man.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, again, biased opinion. <laughs> right. But, well, you know,
2: we appreciate just, your opinion, Becca. Yeah. So, all <laughs> right, kids, there we go. Uh, Gotham Central Comics and Collectibles, October 29th. Please be there for the Halloween Indie Fest. It's going to be a fantastic time. Becca will be there with Gehenna and Worm Club uh, Sorry, yeah, Wormhole, wormhole Club, Club, tragedy. Club Tragedy. Um.
4: Thank you so much for hanging out, Becca. I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much again, Jay, and we'll see you soon.
2: Very cool, everybody. Take it easy. All right, well, we'll keep rolling along then, kids. Here we are continuing our Gotham Central Indie Fest celebration. So excited, October 29th. We're rolling on tonight with a brand new friend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Danny Gourney. Thank you so much for hanging out, my friend.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Uh, Good times. Joey uh, hooked this up. Have you known Joey for long?
0: So I met up with Joey entirely by accident over the Internet. Um, I, I used to be a member of Raid Crew. And she was at, I guess, Fan Expo, picked up a few books, some of which were books I produced that I'm going to be bringing to the Indie Fair, uh, House of Doom and Coffee House of Doom. And uh, she posted a thing, uh, Ramon tagged me and then we just started chatting because I was like, oh, hey, possibly a new fan. And it turns out, yeah, kind of uh and um so yeah we've been chatting on and off for a couple of months now and uh she invited me to come join you guys at gotham central and i'm really excited to meet your um your regulars and all their kids and all these other people it's going to be a great time
2: it really is will this be your first uh time at gotham
0: i think so yeah
2: oh right on Uh, yeah you should be as excited as you are let me tell you it's uh it's a blast. I mean, all the events that Carlos has ever put on there, there's, there's never been a downer. They've all just been super happy, joyous days. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. Cause the, the crew comes together and it's always fun to see friends and meet new friends and, you know, the kids have a great time. So,
0: yeah, I'm bringing some special giveaways for the, the kidlets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm not an artist. I couldn't even draw a convincing stick figure Bye. <laughs> um, One of my uh, projects that I'll be bringing, um, I ended up printing a ton of sort of color them yourself postcards. Oh, cool! For the Kickstarter, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna be giving those out. Yeah, that's
2: a great idea. Yeah, I know Gotham is gonna have some uh, like sketch cards themselves too so it's
0: again fun. i yeah. couldn't do a convincing stick figure so you don't really know oh, it's all yeah crazy. we don't want to be doing yeah. that yeah but no, at but least i've got something for the kids to do
2: no that's great that's uh, that's awesome because uh yeah the kids the kids always have a good time there's going to be costume contests and raffles and all that fun stuff so listen i want to get to know you a little bit with the uh typical origin stuff so are you toronto native
0: i am uh i mean i i grew up a bit in etobicoke and then a bunch in brampton and now i live at queen and bathurst so we're gonna go with yes
2: yeah you're the thing (laughs) it's a
0: complicated yes but it's definitely i'm i'm gonna go with yes
2: right on and uh as far as you know you becoming a creative and you know becoming a writer and such how does that happen is this something that's always been part of you in your life uh did it come on later what's the deal with
0: you danny it totally came on later um I spent a large portion of my academic and post-academic career saying I don't want to be a writer when I grow up. Um, and I studied literature. So, you know, it's a thing people assume from a lot of people who do that. Oh, you're studying English. Clearly you want to be a writer. I'm like, no, I don't want to be a writer. Don't want to be a writer. Right, In grad is. school, still didn't want to be a writer. I was teaching. It was great. And then I just had this idea and I was just like, okay, this is a, a story I really want to tell and it has to be a comic. And so that was 2018 or so.
2: Oh really?
0: Yeah And I was like, okay well this, this is a big comic. Let's go write the whole thing out but if I'm gonna I don't I don't like to dabble in things in a way where, I feel like it's acceptable for me to suck. Uh, if I'm going to do something, it's worth trying to do it as, as best as I can. Right. And so, you know, I, I did that and I was working on getting that to production and I was still like, okay, well, if this goes well. I, I'm not going to be some guy with just one project because that's not a career. <laughs> so you so, got a <laughs> So I, I just kept writing.
2: That's awesome. And it was medieval literature, yeah?
0: It was, yeah. So I did, um, I have a PhD in medieval literature, which does me very little good right now.
2: Whatever, All that's of, cool, man. I don't care. It's super cool. Nothing for you.
0: No, it does <laughs> It does lots of things for me in really strange ways. Um, my graphic novel that's up on Kickstarter right now, um, a lot of the ideas in it are based on the research I did, even though the uh, the setting is modern.
2: Okay, makes sense. And and that's got to help, uh, you know, even to the point where you're like, I want to write something having that base as far as medieval especially to translate a comic book did that, that must've helped. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Medieval is really great way because when you get into print literature, page design becomes a lot less important, but in manuscripts where there's still drawings and big capital letters and all that stuff, like sometimes the page design is the books. So I've always had that halfway in mind. I mean, I read a lot of comics when I was younger as well, which of course, kept me interested and then i mean if you're going to be a writer there's nothing better than knowing more stories
2: absolutely so of yeah course. i can go yeah. a little bit
0: further back than most people with that
2: <laughs> that's awesome so you get to that point you're like i got this story and where do you go from there do you have any idea like how to write a comic script do you need to look that up do you search out advice or help like where do you go with your idea from there
0: yeah um it was a little bit of everything. I didn't really start in comic land, although I did have a friend who um, was at the time and aspiring and is now um, a more professional uh, prose writer. So um, she helped with like story writing and like working on the dialogue and workshopping like the larger scope uh, of that project. And then, yeah, we turned into a script. So luckily there's the internet um, and I use that, I mean, I I knew enough not to direct it like a movie. So that was a great start. And then just sort of refine that as best I could. I mean, looking at it now, it's very amateurish. We're still in production for like later parts of that story. Um, And I I continually rewrite that script for my illustrators just to be a little bit more elegant. But it was like, yeah, here's this panel, here's what I want. Here's this panel, here's what I want. So I wrote it like that um, and I've just been. I do a lot of editing, like, um, on a freelance basis.
2: For oh, fiction. that's great. Yeah. So
0: I sort of started dipping my toes into doing that for comics and that really helped me see other people's scripts. And I mean, my approach with writing is to fail aggressively. Um,
2: no, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Fail
0: early, fail often, keep failing until you don't. Yeah. Uh, and even when you don't, sometimes you still do, but that's a marketing problem. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I'm I'm constantly trying something new, like um, a couple of projects ago, I I worked on a script where I was, I had a really strong vision for what I wanted the layouts to look like, but not for any given panel like that. That's more of an art style thing that's going to come into play when I hire whomever the illustrator is going to be for that. But like, I just figured out a technique at any rate uh, to draw panels into a Word document. Um, and you know let's see if that's any good. like you know let's see if different kinds of direction are any good uh, and they actually resonate with the illustrators. And a lot of that's really personal but I mean since the pandemic started I, I really I really went heads down to try and level up as much as I could. So I was like this is a great opportunity. stuff's quiet. What else am I going to do? And so um, for I, I worked on projects where I was really aggressively, Trying to work with more different illustrators. And I think that's really helped just get an idea of what's going to work, what won't, and what qualities I need in someone to really understand my script. But it also means, you know, a lot of the facts being determined from my writing. Probably not all of it. I mean, I'm sure there's some way to improve. There's always some way to improve. I'm going to keep failing until I do. <laughs>
2: Um, the great thing about right you can just like it doesn't matter if it takes a thousand drafts right you can keep chopping it and bringing stuff the brew stuff and uh, yeah I like that I love that you were able to bring all that in and you know make that just part of such a cool process thank you so um tell us a bit about you know that original story in the original book it was sorry it was the so this house- is
0: um so coffee house of House of Doom and Coffee House of Doom, they're um, part of this House Doom series of horror anthologies. So I put those together with uh, Joseph Wilke, uh, another writer out of um, Seattle. I met him at a tea teacaf. Oh, cool. Uh, and Damien Kanta from Raid, who's going to be at the show. Um, and then we worked with Steph May out of Montreal for uh, Coffee House of Doom, which was issue two. So the House of Doom was the first book I printed but it wasn't the first book I wrote uh, the aforementioned graphic novel uh, Sleepwalkers on Kickstarter now <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's a graphic novel about sort of being aimless and not sure where you're going in society and then how the imagination can sort of bring you through that despair. Uh, with superheroes and fun monsters and th- that kind of stuff. Uh, All
2: right, well, give ones. us the pitch. Give us the pitch for Sleepwalkers. Sure.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, Sleepwalkers, um, I'm just going to load it up because I have this on my computer. <laughs> Do it up. Um, here it is. I have so many windows open.
2: And sorry, who's the illustrator on this?
0: So this uh, this was drawn by Gregor Ronchak out of Ottawa. Cool. Um, The first illustrator I ever worked with. So yeah, here's the pitch. Degree in hand, Faith Richmond's big dreams soon meet the reality that wanting to change the world doesn't mean you actually can. Struggling to find work as she watches her friends get ahead, it feels like her dreams have become nightmares. But what she doesn't know is that she is making a difference. When she sleeps, her subconscious takes over, becoming a real superhero and making the world better in ways she never imagined. Convinced her life won't fail to start forever. Faith decides the only way to deal with the struggle is to push through it, risking her dignity and her future in the process. And that's when the real nightmares began.
2: Ooh, that sounds fun, man. That's a cool it's idea. It's super
0: fun. You should check it out. It's Absolutely, definitely like, it's set in Toronto. It, one of the things I really wanted to do with it is showcase the diversity and the character of Toronto. Like The city expi- inspires me a lot. I can leave my door and see the CN tower. It makes me happy every day.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. And it's cool of you to represent, you know, and uh, to represent, keep it at home. Yeah. Uh,
0: and so, yeah, so that's sort of the thing I started working on and then, yeah, uh, house of doom, like Damien did such great work with that. Uh, we really put him to work on it too. I think that was his first comic that he did. Um, and so, uh, That's like, you know, the really Halloween y stuff I'll definitely be bringing out to the shop. Um, So it's uh, a horror mini anthology, two stories of domestic horror, the first one, and then two stories of, or three stories of caffeinated horror in Coffee House of Doom.
2: Okay. You have to explain Um, caffeinated horror.
0: (laughs) uh, Easy. So we, we, uh, Joseph and I were joking around one day. We were like, wouldn't it be funny if we did a little horror anthology that was like the, only restriction is that page one panel one had to be interior starbucks day (laughs) that's your prompt (laughs) nice uh so that that was basically what we did yeah um so yeah the first one is sort of suburban stuff uh joseph wrote this uh story about a kid who's like he's um it's called parasocial this kid has a parasocial relationship with uh, a youtube celebrity And that whenever he watches their videos, it's the only thing that really brings color into his life. And then he gets trapped in some internet drama and there might be some murder.
2: There might be some murder. (laughs) Uh,
0: And then um, I wrote a story, Little Bastards, about the the rats in your house um, developing a society and education in order to kill all humans and take over the world.
2: Hey, that's cool. Um... Super cool. So we
0: we made Damien work like two different styles for this book.
2: Right, right. That reminds me of another um, homegrown book. Not trying to be good for anything. Give the pitch. Are you familiar with uh, Devin Wong?
0: I am not.
2: He and an artist out of Boston named Ken Perry, they wrote a source point book called Wretched Things. And the idea behind it is all the household vermin, the rats, the spiders, they all get together and form this army to try to raise up and take back the house from the humans.
0: Nice. And
2: uh yeah no I just I just love throwing I, well you sold me on it I'm going to read it. ideas you know so yeah no I'd like to I'd like to read yours that sounds super fun. Um, how how did the uh, sleepwalkers idea come to you? Was it one of those just spur of the moment things or was it something that was kind of rolling around in your head for a while?
0: Uh well by 2018 uh there was a lot of social or changes in the social discourse that I wanted to address. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure if you remember of the many, many things that happened between 2016 and 2020 that were newsworthy and sort of shocking was that there were, you know, uh, massive crowds of white supremacists marching um, in. I might've uh, noticed. This, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when that happened, um, I'm Jewish and I don't like Nazis because <laughs> So I was like, okay, yeah, this discourse is wrong. Let's sort of work on something that sort of gives these people everything they want and and everything they hate at the same time and show them, you know, everything's wrong. Obviously, they're not really the audience I'm addressing here um, because I don't expect they'd read a book with a a Black female protagonist. But, you know, what's a world like when you're not sure if it's what you are or what you do that's preventing you from getting ahead is a cause of anxiety for a lot of people. And I'm one of those people. So that is sort of what I wanted to explore. And then that transformation to a superhero um, sort of, you know, shows that it's not necessarily um, looking or being in a certain way. That's what one needs to be to change the world.
2: I like that. That's, that's beautifully said. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So it's, my uh, hope with that was to be sort of inspiring and be like, no, that's not the only discourse. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. No, no, for sure.
0: So Let- that's that's high level, like, okay, dudes being to grad school stuff. I also did write a story about the rats trying to kill you.
2: Well, that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's it is still the thing. I think the you know, people have been saying this for a while, but I mean the the discourses that are missing are pretty obvious to, you know, people who are just tired of all the yelling and uh you know those kind of things do need to be explored more because as this line hardens and as you know you know all the extremists on either side go further and further to these weird places it's like are we really living in a world where things that we were taught in all our movies and all our books and all our cartoons that were wrong those were the bad guys and now we have to Deal with them trying to take over for real. Like, it's just a weird thing, but we need to be able to talk about it and figure out, you know, we need to understand what could be pushing people so far as to go to those extremes. You know, it's like, it's, it's insane. Like, yeah, yeah man. we even hesitate about punching a Nazi in the face nowadays. You should never do that, never no, do that. right? Like it's ridiculous. Like I don't know. So I applaud you and <laughs> anything that explores the need or, you know, whatever for discourse in those ways is, is a it's a great thing to be explored. You know,
0: and and I I really am a believer in the power of of fiction to inspire and for the imagination to give us a way to produce a better world, and it's worked before. And it does work in the long run. Uh, we imagine better worlds often, and then humans are really good at producing that.
2: Absolutely. When it comes down to it, we, when we're you know in the right mind and opportunity, we can go to space. But if we keep fighting, we're not going to have any fucking spaceships, people, not like real ones that can go to warp speed and shit. We'll never it's fucking true. get there. And it's just so sad and depressing because <laughs> I want to get there. At least, you know, know that my great, great grandkids might get there or, you know
0: well you know step one is found a multi-trillion dollar company step (laughs) two build your own spaceship step three step on the people who worked for you on the way on the way out of that spaceship (laughs) (laughs) step four complain about unions. i'm pretty (laughs) sure that's how that's supposed to work
2: right right i got it
0: based on recent evidence
2: (laughs) (laughs) um all right let's talk about exciting positive things like the kickstarter tell us about the kickstarter itself what do you got going on rewards tears what's happening
0: sure so kickstarter is um we just launched two days ago i'll send you a link um in our chat um we are offering the graphic novel as a trade paperback with a couple of variant covers uh one by my colorist and future illustrator felipe obando and one by uh az volt who's i think based out of the uk So we've got some really great art there. Uh, The main covers are uh, Kenny Lamb, someone else I met at TCAF, um, and he's a concept artist at Ubisoft. He's got this really great um, painterly style that brings an elegiac tone to the covers. They're gorgeous.
2: All I've seen is what has been posted online and such, but it is beautiful. Like the cover, the the covers, the like the turquoisey with all the characters standing there yeah. right? am i right yeah it's beautiful it's gorgeous it's absolutely so, awesome yeah
0: uh, we've got those um some stickers uh i'm doing a single issue edition for comic collectors because i actually wrote the book as single issues but it reads better as sort of a three volume novel oh, okay um uh, and i this is the kind of project where i actually didn't get any art done until i scripted out all of it so it really was broken up into the story arcs before I started. And I
2: think that's the way to go though. Cause then the one thing's just done and nobody's got to worry about it anymore and then move on to the next kind of portion. Yeah. Not meaning that you don't obviously keep working close with your This artist, is a story right?
0: I am happy to leave behind when it's done. Right. Like I don't cool. feel like I need to run it forever with ongoing adventures of, you know, my character maybe eventually getting a job or whatever. Right. So, um, Now, there's cool places we could go, but I don't have to go there. And that's, as an indie creator, I'm really um, cognizant of that. I know there's a lot of indie creators who are like, yo, check out my series. I'm going to be running this forever. You're going to get these long, epic stories about my character. But, you know, what if something happens? There's no one else to carry that torch forward. And so I want to be able to, to create stories that, have an endpoint in mind where a as a creative I can let go of them and B like I, I don't want to sell people dreams of a thousand issues like right I I want to be like okay here's a story it is satisfying maybe I'll do more but you can move on now also please like me and I right. know that there's like a weird culture personality thing that happens when people are super invested in your one project but I'd also Rather not, in the end, leave my readers hanging.
2: Absolutely. You know, that's one thing. I'm totally from that school because that's one thing that, you know, has been kind of a focus at SourcePoint Press over the past few years is uh, it was always like four issues at most. Put out a trade. It's done. On to the next story. Not that some things weren't super popular. So, of course, they did second volumes or, you know, some creators had those stories they wanted to keep on telling. But, you know, it was it was a focused thing at SourcePoint to be like, no, like, just tell your story and then, you know, tell it in a way that it could end or go on. But just, you know, tell that story. And it was a model that really, really worked. And a lot of fans really liked that because it wasn't where they had to make a super huge commitment, but they can make a tiny little commitment and get excited about like four issues. And then but not think they had to stick with it for the next 10 years or whatever, you know, so it, it, it's definitely a cool way to do things for
0: sure. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, um, it occurs to me, maybe I actually, I definitely pitched this book to, to SourcePoint way back in the day when I had less stuff before the pandemic. So right. I might have actually met you at, what was it? toronto comic con 2019 dude were it's there. but more that was forever ago
2: so it's i'm, I'm
0: looking forward to meeting you again in person next week is what i'm saying very cool um it's uh, and then it, i can yeah. show that book off um i'm
2: really stoked to see your stuff man i really am because nice. it sounds very very cool i like where it's all come from and where it's all been inspired by you know? um
0: so what else do we have that i'm definitely bringing that the kids are going to enjoy so there's there's house of doom <laughs> sorry and i and i'm partially drawing attention to that because go on please do this is what i am bringing to the shop for sure yeah blow uh, it up house of doom there's the sequel we did um that would have been 2021 coffee house of doom as mentioned everything starts in a coffee shop it's slightly more story for your money so that's um the one i wrote is a maskless karen walks into a coffee shop what's the worst that could happen (laughs) <laughs> uh hint it involves monsters <laughs> awesome <laughs> um fortune owens who's sort of a new, a new creator this is his first script um worked with Steph Dune on a coffee shop run by a soul-sucking wizard that sort of gives people the emotions that they want Ooh. instead of you know just that jolt of caffeine or whatever right and and then um joseph wrote one about uh a poor kid who's sent to work um at a cafe in a town inhabited by lovecraftian horrors everyone's oh. a secret fish man
2: okay that sounds fun man those secrets and sound so like yeah Damien
0: drew mine and Joseph's and uh those are great and he's gonna be there doing art for the kids so this is why I'm pushing Damien uh, he was he uh unfortunately wasn't able to join us today. So I'm bringing those. Uh, so these are like, you know, gremlins level horror.
2: Yeah, right. Right.
0: That's so like, yeah, I think that's going to be pretty appropriate for most kids. You know, we've got a slightly bigger um, size of the font for the lettering. Um, it's not sweary. It's supposed to be like stuff that you'd kind of think about, not maybe have a bad dream over.
2: Right. That's what we're going for. Cool. <laughs> um,
0: and I've got a sort of off horror project called The Myth Butcher. Mm-hmm. which is my most pandemic project ever. It started off as a short, it became a series of shorts and then I just colored them and <laughs> put them together. So this started off as a, a pitch for an, uh, a cryptids anthology and turned into a, another sort of a mini anthology of three stories of really ridiculous cryptids that aren't the normal ones um set in 1903 so i sort of took advantage of that research background i've got and put some real history in it
2: oh i love historical books man i'm, a, so uh, uh, I'm a
0: it was really fan. hard to find a swamp that was politically relevant in 1903 but i did ah. <laughs> uh, so that's got like a jungle walrus in um in rwanda um a giant millipede underneath the ice covering hudson's bay and oh, like i like um that. A tentacle armed giant frog uh, just outside of Rome, where there literally was a swamp. Mussolini oh. drained that swamp.
2: Oh, I love it, man! The, the Roman
0: Empire couldn't drain that swamp.
2: <laughs> I love the historical accuracy and the brilliance of yeah. The so it's, it's just like, James it's
0: Bond great. gets constantly waylaid by very silly monsters <laughs> while trying to actually do historical things. Like, it's and sounds- there's been a bit of cancon in there too, right? Up by Hudson's Bay, he's looking for the Franklin Expedition, that kind of thing. The original Jungle Walrus story, which it showed, so I like, this was how you can tell it was for an anthology. It was an anthology of cryptids. I go on Google, list of cryptids, get this Wikipedia page, There's one thing, ding neck Jungle Walrus. I'm like, yes. Yes. I want one. <laughs> it turns out like, the there's like one piece written about it from like a McLean's article. What? right yeah accidental random. let's go right, totally right random so yeah um, that, that's a ton of fun it, it's pretty appropriate for the kids they'll learn something yeah, a
2: little tiny um, bit of research can you know just reveal such awesome also, stuff to work with
0: jungle walrus
2: yeah that's like, <laughs> like what
0: he was bit by a radioactive leopard and now he hangs out in treetops uh fighting crime <laughs> i mean and that's obviously derivative but like the concept is brilliant
2: oh i think it's great that's shayhan type shit i fucking love the madness of it but it's so fun you know that's the brilliance of it too
0: um so having just kind of jumped this point Sorry, you were roboting there. Can we try again?
2: Oh, are we good now? Yeah. Um, Having just jumped into all this just before the pandemic, have you tabled much anywhere then or had an opportunity to?
0: Um, Only this year I've been sort of getting into it. So I've been doing a lot of small regional events. um, So stuff like CK Expo, a lot of the Pop Culture Canada sort of half days in insert town here. So I did, Stratford in Oshawa. What are those shows
2: like? I've never actually done a a pop culture Canada show.
0: They're inexpensive and low commitment, which is real nice. Um, Especially because it's hard to tell what the crowd is, right? Some people are there for, you know, magic cards. Some people are there for actually buying, you know, big two comics some people are there for Funko Pops a few artists are there sometimes doing whatever um but because I never had a chance to table like the lockdowns hit while my first Kickstarter was live like I've never had a chance to table before so I don't know what I need plus I have so many books done (laughs) I don't know what's working um like Sleepwalkers, as good as it is, like it, it means a lot to me. And I, I put a lot like, you know, because my first book and like cause I care a lot about the concept and blah, 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 blah. It took me until this summer to get a good pitch for it to put it up online. Um, and and that's partially because I've been able to go to all these small events and meet people from all over the region. Right, um right. CK Expo is really like a really fun show. Although it's um, a hike that that's in chat. I, stuff, did, right I did that
2: one a couple of years ago. We uh, I was set up there for Source Point like ooh, maybe four or five years ago. It was a little while back, but I had a lot of fun at that show. Yeah, it, it I, was, I had a surprisingly
0: yeah. good time there, and that includes the four hour drive each way. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> I did Forest City Comic Con this year, and I, I was looking into a couple other ones, but like other work stuff got in the way, and I got way late. Um, so I'm sort of back to it a little bit, but with, um, the show next week, and then I'm looking into doing a pop culture Canada show in Trenton. I mean, one of the nice things about those, like it's a half day, it's like 60 bucks. If you get a light, a last ticket, it's pretty like, so I haven't lost money on them and I've made fans, so I'm definitely winning. Absolutely. Um, and, and plus I'm learning what's working for tabling, like what I need to buy, what I, what I don't need to use i'm still figuring a lot of that stuff out like do i want to go vertical do i need to get like you know one of those rolly banner things probably right. there's but so I, I got,
2: many options
0: yeah like i don't know where to put it when i'm not using it because i live in a <laughs> the apartment in the core so like you know i'm getting yeah. my pitch together for books i'm meeting people um and and overall that's just really nice and then you know sometimes something does really well sometimes sometimes i don't but it, it's pretty hard to do badly when the cost for entry is so low like i was looking like i had such a great time at chatham in the at the chatham Kent expo and then i was looking at niagara falls uh this year and i was like okay well that's a three dollar event for uh, a three-day event for 500 bucks and i need to rent a car for three days that's another what four or five hundred bucks and i need to get a hotel for two nights no Now, do I even have enough stuff to make my money back, let alone, you know, (laughs) um,
2: logistics, man, (laughs) am
0: I likely to be able to make my money back? And so having done CK Expo and Forest City, I can see there's a big difference between like I'm here for some nerd related retail shopping versus I'm here for a comic con. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. And yeah,
0: and I can see there's a benefit there. Yeah. By... I mean, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have the kind of money to really to risk on on a lot of those shows right now because I've yeah. been doing so much production. I see well, the uh, time left is ticking. Uh, so yeah, it's, if that's uh, happening, we should just reset on the same Zoom link that usually works.
2: Yeah. Um, well, actually, we're we're capping these to around the thirty forty limit right now. Yeah,
0: I'm just not sure if there's like you know. Mm, like stuff, we stuff you're going to edit out. So, if you wanted to run later, that's...
2: maybe one or two things I thought of, but I usually listen through and go through it. But okay. uh, this will probably be one of those things. But <laughs> uh, no, it's totally cool. But I'm excited for you now to be able to get to do the networking you're going to get to do because that's when like the advice and suggestions and experiences and stories start to come in handy. And you know, people share what works for them, what shows are good, you know, which shows were comic shows, and you know, and the crowd at. Awesome. Uh, I'm so excited for you to come out and you know get to fucking meet everybody and I get to meet you. I'm really excited to read your work, man. Like I really, really am.
0: Well, I'll so, bring uh, an extra copy of sleepwalkers for you to take a look. Please through.
2: do. I would greatly appreciate it. So, what I, I made want to a do, test Danny, sprint. is
0: you got this. <laughs>
2: I want to read. I want to read your stuff so that we can have you back on the show and do a normal regular hour-long chat where I'm actually familiar with your work. Because normally when I have someone on, I've usually read something or you know, I'm somewhat familiar with what, uh, with what the person's done, but, uh, this was kind of a, a, Joey, uh, you know, throw together party thing that I was just kind of did what I was told. And, uh, you know, Joey, I will always do what I'm told when it comes to you. So thank you so much again for organizing all of this, uh, greatly appreciated. I greatly appreciate her doing this. So I got to meet you, Danny. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Uh, thanks Joey for helping, helping put this together. I look forward to, meeting the whole gang over at gotham central you guys seem like real nice folks and i don't know what i've done in my life i haven't met you yet but i'm gonna fix that
2: yeah it's gonna be remedied kids on october 29th gotham central comics and collectibles remember costume contests raffles giveaways drawings for kids uh so much cool shit and you're gonna come on down and uh you can meet danny and buy danny's books uh because you should buy danny's books uh danny again thank you so much my friend
0: thanks for having me jack
2: all right, very good, kids. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Kick it